Father Do, Chris Martin, Phil Bethesen, Tony Fresco, the Roll Boys. Thank you, Deacon Allen. Appreciate that. Uh, welcome to our Cluster Parish Advent Mission. Say that three times fast. Now that we're in the Christmas season, I'd like to point out that there are two types of people. Those that believe that Die Hard is a Christmas movie, and those who are wrong. <laughs> Google it, it's a thing. Yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah. So I'd like to thank you all for going for coming tonight. We are the Roll Boys. If you haven't checked us out on our YouTube channel or on our website, rollboys.org, uh, what's the hold of <laughs> Honestly. Check us out, please. Um, <clears throat> You know, I thank Deacon and Father for asking us to be here tonight to lead this parish mission. You know, when they first asked us to do this, the first thing that came to mind was when Jesus told the crowd that a prophet isn't welcome in his own hometown. Like the rest of everybody's mind by saying there are no prophets here. We aren't getting paid. Right now? Amen. <laughs> Full of sin, 
it's going the wrong direction big time. Whether you agree with Pope or not, and a lot of things that he says, some you know, sometimes there's some friction there, but I do want to say that the first thing that he said to the Roman Curia. Okay, good. I did I actually thought it was going to be too loud, so I didn't want to speak too closely. Thanks for mentioning it. Um, but the first thing that Pope Francis said to the Roman Curia was Christendom no longer exists. Okay, what's Christendom? Is that, yeah. I don't know what that word means. So it's good. Is yeah. that any of you? No, no, I'm glad it, it's not. So in a Christendom society, we're comfortable. That's really what it means in a nutshell. The United States was founded on Christian principles, right? And what we in this room, I believe, hope and pray continues is that our Christian values as a nation continue. I think that's what we're all trying to grasp onto, right? Well, if you think about it in a global perspective, and the Pope is a global figure, uh, he, he said very plainly, we don't live in a Christian society anymore. We live in what's called an apostolic mission. There's a great book called From Christendom to Apostolic Mission, and a lot of ministries around the world are reading this book because we got to figure out a new way to reach people. But it's not a new way because it's what Jesus did. <laughs> He called the apostles. So we got to move from maintenance to mission. So it's good to be involved in your parish. Extraordinary minister, elector, the choir, those are all good things. That's the maintenance part. We still need that. But we need missionaries. We need every one of us to realize that when you're at the grocery store, when you're at Walmart, you're a missionary. Uh, how you smile at somebody, how you act on the weekend, whatever you do, you're a missionary where you're at. And my wife and I and our family felt called to go here, to move to this area, and we feel like we're missionaries. And this diocese is a missionary diocese. Did you know that? Like, we have to you know, import like tons of priests to be able to have our vocations, right? Uh, we don't have very many Catholic schools. There's a, a, we have been in areas, especially Chris and I, where like Catholicism is like everywhere and it's thriving. But the call to be here, there are so many people that need your witness and your word. You know, Norma's saying a mass, the pro-life cause. We have to be reminded of that. Every single mass. We have to do something to end abortion. Okay? Babies are dying right now. What are we doing about it? And Catholics are usually on the front lines to do that, so we need to step it up with that. Do you believe in Jesus? And have you given your life fully to him? Did you know that the majority, vast majority of Catholics do not have a relationship with Jesus? The vast majority of Catholics don't believe that right over there in our church, Jesus is present in the tabernacle. 78% don't believe that. Of Catholics. That's your mission. Okay? Whoever you know, tell that. I went to Catholic grade school, Catholic high school. They rarely said anything about the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. It's nuts. Why wasn't I told? So make sure, don't assume anything in this crazy world. If someone says they're Catholic, you have to ask more questions. <laughs> you know, are you a devout Catholic? Are you a practicing Catholic? Are you a cafeteria Catholic? <laughs> yeah. And we, we need more of that devout side. No offense, no more Joe Biden Catholics. You know, they ain't for that. <laughs> I, we might get thrown out tonight, guys. But, but we're being person. At the same time, we're all sinners, right? We can't judge anybody. I need to go to confession just like the next guy. Okay? And uh, I go pretty often because I need it. And my wife and kids say, you need to go. 
get in there, but I think that's one of the biggest scandals of the church right now. It's not what the Pope says. It's not what the priests are doing or not doing. It's that the communion line is longer than the confessional line. That's real. It's uh, honestly, honestly, if we truly believe that Jesus, that is Jesus, why, uh, why does Father only have confession once a week? You know, we we should be going all the time. If we truly believe that's Him, how can we just blindly just walk up there, whether we know we're committed to sin or not, just walk up there and receive Him, and just not have a second thought about it. And this isn't us just sitting back observing how the church and, and this all is usually not my place to be so like <laughs> controversial. It, it's something that we realize in ourselves. Uh, and I'm the first one should be the first in line at the confessional. We all agree to. Switch roles. So the kingdom of God in Luke 17, the kingdom of God is inside you. Well, don't you think God is in his kingdom? So he's inside you, and if there, if you believe that you're consuming the Eucharist and you're joining Jesus to your body and His kingdom, His temple, you've got to. And, and Paul says in Romans, if you consume sin upon yourself, or if you consume the Eucharist without being properly prepared and knowing what you're taking, you consume sin upon yourself. And what are the wages of sin? Death. Death. And that's not okay. And we got to get real with ourselves. Whenever we started, it was uh, March of last year, 2020. And uh, we made a silly video because we sit around and talk. And we said, you know what? We think we're funny. I wonder if other people would too. But wouldn't it be great? Playing a dad jokes, you know. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't it be fun if we had a camera up or something? We, you know, we say that all the time. Like, ah, oh, I wish we would have recorded that. You guys have probably said it too with your friends, you know. There's some funny moments. Uh, so we made this video and we were, it was terrible. And uh, I'm not saying all the rest were great, but that one was terrible. <laughs> that one was bad. Yeah. <laughs> but then we were like, let's keep doing that. That was fun. Uh, and COVID started hitting. And everything started getting shut down. And people were saying, oh, you guys have this masterful plan. You know, you're going to reach social media and you're going to put out YouTube videos. You guys must have just prepared for this. Uh, we were like, eh, it didn't happen in our rooms that way. <laughs> we tried to uh, script it like we would prepare before we re would record, and we tried it once, and it was terrible. I mean, that wasn't even the first episode. That was like the next one after that. We're like, we, can't, we can't do this anymore. We can't script it. We have to just... So the, the, the point is, if you know, the longer you wait, here's an analogy. The longer you wait to say yes to someone who asks you to dance, the less likely you are to dance. Uh, and that means you got to get up off your rump. You understand the analogy? If you feel a calling from God, do something about it. You will not be known on your tombstone. It's not going to say what you were going to do. You know what I'm saying? you got to go to confession, and you've got to make sure that if you continue, think about how many times, y'all, did you know that getting drunk is a mortal sin? How many times have you been drunk on Saturday and taken communion on Sunday. That's not who we are. That's not what we're supposed to do. I've done it, okay? I'm not up here firing brimstone. You know, I'm a convert. Yes, I was Baptist for many, many years, but not bringing that tonight. Um, but really, yeah. these, are, these are things that we hope that uh, we said, let's just be real. We got to be bold, and obviously we're Catholic. So, uh, that's why we stuck together and kept doing it. And then people were asking us to talk. And 
So that's kind of how we ended up here. Well, we're all, we all have our own talents that we're supposed to be using to spread the gospel. We're supposed to be using these talents to bring people closer to Christ. That invitation that Chris was talking about, this is how we do it, is through the things that we are good at. I mean, Tony is a natural teacher. Chris is a great uh, conversationalist. And then I'm just the average Joe. So, <laughs> so I told him he only can push the button five times tonight. So you're watching. I'm gonna lose count. Yeah. yeah, six more. <laughs> five out of four people are bad with fractions. Yeah, Joe. Sorry. <laughs> it's three. So where was I going with that? That's a good question. We. We are who we are and because uh, our mission is to bring joy. It really is. That's what we want to do. You know, uh, amongst us, we've got 18 kids. And uh, Are we nuts? <laughs> so we started the little boys because we were bored. Yeah, yeah nothing else to do. So, uh, but, you know, we're, we're sharing our story so that we can hopefully encourage you. You may think we're idiots and be right, but... What we're trying to prove with our fools for Christ. Yeah, yeah. What we're trying to prove is that is that anybody can do it. it yes. You know, uh, it's been written and said. Tim Ferriss wrote a book and many books that are New York Times bestsellers. But he said, if you're not embarrassed by your first product, then you started too late. And my point in saying that is, if you're worried about what somebody's going to think about you, if you actually say, what if you actually said Jesus's name to somebody? It makes you feel weird, doesn't it? Catholics don't do that. Yeah. Mm. Uh, have, you know, it, we're not Jehovah's Witness going knocking on people's door, right? Should be. Yeah. <laughs> and Mormons, they go around and they spend two years in mission, and they're knocking on people's door. And guess what? They're the fastest growing church in the world. The Mormon church. We should be ashamed of ourselves. You know, we've clothed more people throughout history. The Catholic church. Actually, I have it queued up here. I'm going to read it to you. Uh, Matthew Kelly, the global reach and contribution of the church is enormous, but the national impact of the church on every aspect of society is also impressive, though largely unknown. What he says is we've forgotten who we are. What we talked about before we uh, came up here tonight is, you know, if people just knew how much Jesus actually loved them, the more action they would take. How many times have you heard that? That Jesus loves you. Yes, I know. <laughs> Seriously, like, let it soak in and believe it. Do you? And I don't think I do. I mean, it, it takes time to really digest it and really believe it. Uh, so, uh, Matthew Kelly goes on to say that we've educated more people. You know, if the Catholic Church didn't exist, none of us would have an education. Schools, hospitals. Yep. We've, we've taken care of more people in hospitals. We've fed more people around the world. That's who you are. You're Catholic. That's who Matthew Kelly's talking about. It's us. We can't forget who we are and where we came from. The church is dwindling. It is. But you know where it's thriving? In areas of, of apostolic mission. South Africa. Uh, the depths of some of the hardest places in the world to live. Because of the persecution, it's growing yeah. on wildfire in China. Yeah, China and Africa. Yeah, they they took statistics and they said they you know, when you send missionaries to a nation, yeah, thousands will probably become Catholic. They are devoutly solid missionaries. 
But if there's total persecution and suffering and struggle, that's where the millions come in. So be ready to boldly proclaim the truth and be willing to even die for it. It's not us, our kids. And we need to prepare them for that. But that's good, because martyrs go straight to heaven. <laughs> and they're saints. And that sets the blood of the martyrs to the seed of the faith. That's how our church grows, if we study church history. Yeah, how do we grow without being killed? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, we do live, we live in America. We're protected. We, are, we have our cushy uh, lifestyles. I mean, honestly, we are blessed to be here where we're not getting point, guns pointed at us yet. And we've gotten, what was that quote, where hard times uh, produce hard men. And weak times, or easy times, produce weak men. And we're what I'm just saying is that we're and we're kind of blessed to be here, but at the same time, it doesn't help us. Is it a blessing? I don't know. <laughs> it's true. When you're in a, a Christian society, it's kind of a paradox. It's where we all want to be, right? We want to live in a Christian nation, but it really puts the believer in a in a different spot. How do we actually evangelize? How do we help people truly know that Jesus loves them? And you know, there's this battle between, uh, in Matthew, are we serving God or are we serving man? Are we serving money? And that's a lot of what the Christendom society has to struggle with. And uh, honest to goodness, a lot of our priests come from other countries. And they may not understand what a Christendom society is like. Have you felt that? Have you seen that? May, and, and nothing against Father Ariel or any of the many, many priests that, you know, work Praise God, they come. Amen. Because without it, we don't have Eucharist. Uh, but we may not hear the gospel message and the challenge from them because they just don't understand what we're going through. And, and so we felt that uh, we're not trying to fill the gap of what the priest is not doing. Don't hear me wrong. But how can we actually evangelize to folks that have heard about Jesus, but maybe they're lukewarm? And a lot, of, a lot of the way we do it is by telling our story. Jesus was a storyteller. You know, for over 465 years, there was no scripture. Whenever the, the apostles were here, there was no church. There, were, there weren't hospitals. You know, there weren't these places where people went uh, to say, okay, let's, let's save these people. And it, it was just, it was a, a mission field. So we just have a whole different mindset on the mission field. So what do we do? And we're going to talk about it uh, tomorrow night with the men, and then the last night, families. So we're really focusing on uh, advancing in holiness, and how do we do that? Well, we do that first and foremost by knowing how much God loves us. But the only how do you get to know somebody? Spend time with them. Talk to them. And more importantly, two ears, one mouth, right? Listen. And how do you do that? Uh, there's a, a meme that is up on the, um, the slideshow here, and, and it says, um, how are you going to be physically fit when you only work out on Sunday? If you're not doing this every single day, the world is injecting negativity into you. And so what I've done, actually, uh, even in my job, is I have to read things that are positive and that motivate me as a leader because i got to put a smile on my face every single day. How many of you have turned off the news and just said, done, 
done. Praise God, that's great. I mean, we need to be informed about what's going on in the world, yes, but uh, if it brings you down and it takes away your joy, that's not from God. I will say, uh, when we, Tony talked about how, you know, Tony's from Colorado, I'm from Livingston, East Texas, so uh, I'm not being a private one land. I'm not private Foreigners. <laughs> But I've, I've shared this in RCI. Oh, that, that the Book yeah. of Ruth is, is a great right. story. The Book of Ruth is a great story. And so, you know, Steve's my father-in-law. And uh, because of that, and uh, Fran, I'm related to, I think, almost everybody in here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, if I mess up, you know, you can blame me. But in, in the Book of Ruth, it's one of the smallest books of the Bible. And what the story ultimately says is, as a dad and as a parent, wherever you move, that's who your children are going to marry. And so I chose to move here. And we have six girls. You know? Yeah, the oldest is 12 and Helen is one. So, uh, and Melissa homeschools all of them. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, yeah, God bless her. Yeah. Uh, if we could have a moment of prayer, please. <laughs> But what I'm telling you is, and what I've repeated in RCIA, Hayden's heard it, uh, is that I love it here. Because you guys are Catholic, and that the whole community feels like it's Catholic. And even if they're not, I think that they are. They're invited in. They feel welcomed. Yes. Yes. Um, and so, in, in the book of Ruth, they, they go after money. And so they move for work. We move 13 times. Uh, since we've been married 13 years. And Steve helped me on about 14 of them. <laughs> there are less and less stuff. Yeah. We, uh, but, you know, that's also true for my past. So, uh, you know, Jesus was a storyteller, so I'll, I'll share a little bit about the book of Ruth and how it applies. Uh, a couple of those times I moved for money. You know, I worked in nursing homes. And... Uh, I wasn't just going after a bigger paycheck, but I didn't like my boss. I didn't like the company I worked for. They were greedy, and I was taking care of human beings, and I felt called to do that. And nursing homes have a bad rap, and it's my mission in what I do to change that. And I try to do that by taking care of one person at a time. Uh, but we did move quite a bit, and Melissa has stuck with me the whole way. Uh, but we're building a house. You know, and it's one of the greatest joys of my life. I'm, I actually said the other day to Melissa, I'm happier than I've ever been. And so living in a Catholic community, I didn't move here for money. And yet we have been blessed beyond our understanding. And you guys have been extremely welcoming. And so we made a conscious choice. And so I want to give you that pat on the back to say thank you for keeping the faith alive here. We're not, again, not just firing brimstone land at you. You guys have done a fantastic job. I'm here because of you guys. And you, Steve. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and so it's, um, it's, it's awesome to be a part of the community. And so, you know, I thought, hey, what am I going to do to help this community out? Well, since I came into the church, uh, came in in College Station at St. Thomas Aquinas Catholic Church, I met my dad for the first time, didn't know who he was. You know, I was 20-something years old, 21 or so. And uh, my life was changing quite a bit. It was really, really incredible. Uh, this Bible sits here, 
and in the inscription on the front, in 1992, uh, I was 10 years old, and I went up to the front of Forest Branch Baptist Church, and I said that I wanted Jesus to be my Lord and Savior, you know? And then I was baptized in the Trinity, and I was not raised in a church. I'm not used to this sort of a community. When we got married, there were 250 people there. Yes, you did. <laughs> and uh, my best man turned around and looked, and everybody was done at the reception, and they were cleaning up. The service in this community is unreal. Uh, and I'm, I'm making a bigger point here, so thanks for following me in my story. But uh, we've seen so much. So my friend, my, my best man turned around and looked, and he said, and I've never thought in my life this guy has shed any moisture from his eyeball. Uh, but he said, I literally, my eyes welled up because I've never seen so many people in my life uh, be in such great service for such a great cause. And I went to church with him as a kid because his mom went. And so there were some times in my life, there were, there were some people around me who brought me to church. Well, uh, when, I, when I received this Bible uh, when I was 10... The man who gave me this, his name is written right in the front, it's Wayne and Betty Harris, and they signed it and gave it to me. Well, I didn't know my dad, I told you that. He lived right next door to my biological father and nobody knew it. On the day I came to Jesus, the man who lived right next door to my biological father, who invited me to church, by the way, that was kind of when I, I realized that there was more to life than what I was used to seeing. Uh, and this is, even in a Christendom society, there's people around us that live in very terrible situations. I, you know, I'm not going to dishonor my mother and father, because scripture's clear that if you obey your father and mother, you'll have a long and, and happy life. But I will say that I was around drugs and alcohol. Now, thank God I didn't participate, but when I say drugs, I mean, like, shooting up and prostitution in the house I was raised in. I was in and out of crack houses, and I'm not just trying to tell you a story to, to give you shock and all here. Uh, but this exists in our communities, and it's not okay. We have to, we don't, just like Tony said, you never know that smile that you're going to give somebody, uh, the, the simple, kind gesture. What conquers all? Love conquers all. Scripture's clear, right? Love conquers all. It took me from being a young boy and, and protected me until all I ever wanted to do was turn 18 years old so I could have control of my life. And the more I tried to take control of it, the more it started to fall apart. And I actually told Melissa uh, when I met her, I said, you're too good for me. And... Uh, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> to be real with you... Um, she was a virgin and I was not. Uh, she had made great life choices. She had only missed Mass one time in her life by that point. And she was, I don't know, 18, 19 years old, 20. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I told her, you deserve better. Because I didn't know how much Jesus loved me. I really honestly didn't. And so I pushed away the blessing that God had sent before me. And we were just friends. And uh, I started learning about the church. Uh, because of her witness and because of how she lived her life, 
And so you guys are doing a fantastic job in your community. It's awesome to watch you. I mean, look at the, the Fall Festival. It's not just measured in dollars. It's not measured in dollars at all. But what I would say, the same thing I tell all the nurses and, and nurse aides that, that work with me, is we know we're successful not because we're profitable, but because people continue to come into our doors and ask for our help. And so the same thing needs to be true for the church. So what we're encouraging all of you to do, and this is it, okay? Uh, I want you to put this in your mind, and so when you go to bed tonight, and you think, okay, what's my purpose, God? What is God asking me to do from this mission on these three nights? It's simply to invite somebody else. Okay? Whether there's no rules to the game, whether they're Catholic, practicing, not practicing, invite somebody who's not in the pew. Because we are called, not just because Jesus is on down the road somewhere. Jesus isn't somewhere down the road, right? The kingdom of God is within us, and God is in his kingdom. So he's here with us. So be, be brave and be bold and not talk too much. And, and the priests, their job is to give us the sacraments. But we're, our job is to get them into the church. That's what Father Mitch Catholic told us. You know, like, if, if the church is full, it's because of our inviting. Curtis Martin, he's the founder of Focus, Fellowship of Catholic University students. We have a campus in uh, San Angelo. They're missionaries and they go all over the place. And he said, tell seven people, invite seven people, give everything you got to those people in your entire lifetime. Seven people. So picture a few people you know. They haven't been to Mass in a while. They're unchurched. They have a lot of hurts and a bad past. doesn't matter. You know people that need Jesus. Seven people. Well, there's about one billion people that are Catholic in the world. And if we told seven people, the entire world would become Catholic. So that's our role. I mean, we don't have to tell millions. I mean, if we look at the demographics for, for Rome boys, and there's people in Africa and China, it doesn't really matter so much as we spread the gospel with where we are at. And if it's our neighbor, have you talked to your neighbor about Jesus? <clears throat> Or even the person next to you in the pew, uh, your coworker. Find the right moment, give them a beer, and sit down and talk. <laughs> and this, if you don't know the answers, that was me in college. You know, cradle Catholic, didn't know hardly anything about the Catholic faith. Next thing I know, I'm at Sterling College in Sterling, Kansas, one of five Catholics. You were to marry. The, the Pope is the Antichrist. Yeah, what? <laughs> That cracker you eat on Sunday? Oh, okay, that doesn't sound right. So I had to start studying and praying. And before you know it, they made me into a teacher because they asked me so many questions. But I had to do some soul searching because I had asked myself, is the Baptist church really the right one? And God, I went to prayer. If it is, I will become Baptist or Presbyterian or whatever it may be that, that people were asking me questions. And we have to ask ourselves that. Why am I a Catholic? My mom and dad were. That's not good enough. <laughs> and for your kids and your grandkids, why are they Catholic? Because it's true and it's good and it's beautiful and it's the church that Jesus started. That's why. But you have to come to that answer yourself. 
And God speaks to us in all our different ways. And praise God for those Protestant Christians. Because I would not be here today without them. <laughs> because they helped me love Jesus and love sacred scripture. And define where that truth was. And we know lots of Protestant Christians. And praise God, they are good at inviting people to a relationship with Jesus. Now we need to do the same. I always pray like, may Catholics know Jesus. And may Protestants know his church. So that's what we have to give. We have this beautiful Catholic faith founded by Jesus Christ, given to Pope Peter, and passed on all the way to Pope Francis. We're really good at being Catholic and knowing what we're supposed to believe, and we know the teachings of the church. But we kind of skip that part about Jesus. <laughs> and so we need to make sure that we have that relationship. So pass that relationship. Tell your story to the people that you know, like we mentioned earlier. And no one can argue with the story. Share your story. There, there's uh, something that you can use that's kind of easy, and it might sound like, like a... The Rome Boys YouTube channel? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shameless blood. Yeah. Um, feel, felt, found. Have you heard that? I know how you feel. As a Protestant, or as a convert, I've had to say this. I know how you feel. I felt the same way, but this is what I found out. Uh, and it really helps people get over the hump and understand that, you know, do we worship Mary and do we worship statues and all of those things. I'll also say this, it can take years. And it's not our mission to save the entire world. That's Jesus's mission. Those people that are in our circles, the people that you see at the grocery store. Uh, you know, I had, um, Tony bought me a, a crucifix and so I always hang it in my office right above my head. That way when people walk in there and they're ready to cuss me out, they had to look at Jesus first. <laughs> I have been on my knees in my office with the door closed looking up at that crucifix. But there, they, somebody I think has experienced the same. Uh, but after years of working somewhere, I've had people actually say to me, wait, you're Catholic? <laughs> so you don't have to go out beating the Catholic catechism, you know, on somebody's head and and if you just talk about Jesus, I will say that you'll probably get more of a response and understanding. So, um, so we're an hour in. I don't even think we talked about our topic yet. Just kidding. <laughs> we kind of have definitely touched on it in so many ways. But the title of our talk, you know, is to live out our vocation and strive for holiness, something like that. Holiness in our vocation. So. We have people here that are single, or widowed, or married, and we have a priest, and we have a deacon, so two deacons. So it's amazing how God calls us in all different ways, um, in amazing ways. And no other, no calling is better than the other, okay? But as I was praying before we came in here tonight, in our beautiful, amazing church, Alphen and Rowena, best churches in the diocese, are you in the state, right? Amen? We're <laughs> St. Thomas. These beautiful churches, unfortunately, the stained glass windows have almost all saintly priests and nuns, which is true. There's been a ton of priests and nuns uh, throughout church history. But what about the married folks okay, and the single folks? And there's been hundreds and thousands of saints in that area as well. So the call for all of us in this room is to be a saint. Did you know that? Yes. You're supposed to be a saint. 
I didn't learn that until like in my 30s. So what's the definition of a saint? Somebody. Would it be dead in heaven? <laughs> dead heaven and miracles, right? Yeah, two, yeah. Joe's actually right tonight. That happens in Rollsville. So what's the definition of a saint? You're simply in heaven, where we're all called to be. And we can do that here. It doesn't have, we don't have to wait to be dead, to be in heaven, to be a saint. We can start now, we can grow in that, but I think it has to start with, you got to want it. I mean, if you don't want it, I mean, because I be honest, we get as much of Jesus as we want. And I hold my hand out here like, this is as far as I need you. Because when he starts asking me to do things that I may not be comfortable with, this is as far as I want to go. I don't want to let him in. Because those things might be hard. Those things might be challenging. Those things might make me uncomfortable. But in doing that and letting go and letting him lead, let him take the wheel, you know, he, he'll lead us. It's not that he's asking you to do these things and just, here you go, take it, you run with it. And he's going to help you through those things, whether it's spiritually or having friends come out of nowhere, you know, to just help you out with these certain, you know, starting a YouTube channel for no reason. I mean, there's these things that he's going to ask you to do. Oh, to be holy is simply just to say yes to Jesus all the time. Growing in holiness is just saying yes. And he's always going to take you one step further than you want to go, right? You know, when I was in the seminary, we went on a three-day, eight-day, and 30-day silent retreat. Dude, no way. I mean, yeah. no. Some of the most amazing experiences of my life, uh, some of the guys in my class were like extreme extroverts. Like, my wife Liza is an extreme extrovert, okay? Yeah. Um, and they couldn't talk for 30 days. I loved it. No, it's good. <laughs> One of my friends, Marlon, he's like off-the-charts extrovert. He dealt with it by eating chips, and he gained 20 pounds. His cheeks just got bigger and bigger. I was laughing. Like he worked it off after it was done. But a 30-day silent retreat, and it was intense. I mean, if you want to know Jesus, get some silent time. Like get a holy hour, right? And sign up for a holy hour and spend an hour with him. Very good. But 30 days, you can't run from Jesus. I'll be driving down the road with the kids, and all of a sudden it's just awkward silence, and I'll just go, ah! And just, just, they'll all just jump. Because there's a few seconds of silence you're not used to. Right? No, no. Not even myself. I'll be in the tractor and by myself and just go, ah! And we've been doing these meditations. And there was this one meditation that Jesus was in, uh, knocking at the door of my house. And I think this can really relate to everyone here. And he knocked on the door and said, hey, Tony, how's it going? Jesus, wow, like, how are you doing? Good, come on in. And he came to the, through the front door. We're in that little area there greeting each other. And he kept kind of pushing forward as, okay, where are we going? So we went into the living room and then into the dining room. And he kept wanting to go further back. And I kept backing myself up. This isn't a meditation and praying. I'm fully awake and aware of all this. And he wanted to go all the way back to the back closet of my soul. And I went like this, and I said, no, the hand, stay out. Whoa, you just told Jesus to stay out. Like, don't go there. And eventually, over those days of silence, I said, fine, I'll let you in. What's in the back closet for you? Hurts, 
pain, suffering, sin. We all got it. Okay, we all got a clean house. And Jesus needs to clean the back closet so that you can be a disciple maker. We have to be fully energized and pumped up with God's love and his strength to be able to go out. So in other words, we can't help make Catholics if we ourselves are on fire for the Catholic faith. When you get to that point where you can actually face what it is that's holding you back, from really honestly giving up whatever it is that's keeping you from Jesus. I'm going to ask you a question when you, we're at that point, like we just followed Tony through his head. Uh, do you actually go confess to Father Ariel, or are you afraid that he might judge you because of what you're going to tell him? Have you ever, ever not confessed a sin because you were worried about what he might think? You see him every every day. I mean, this is a small community, is it not? It's not easy to tell a, a real true confession. I don't know what we're going to do that. But um, if ever, let me just round out my point. If ever you don't actually tell Father Ariel in the confessional the real truth of what's happening in your sinful life, because we all have one, then shame on you because what you're doing is you're not giving credit to God in the sacrament. And that's a grave, grave problem. One of the greatest uh, confessions that I ever had, Tony talking about going to that dark place, I wasn't sad and distraught and crushed because of the sin that I actually committed, but it was because I went and took the Eucharist every Sunday with that grave sin on my soul. And when I finally came to the realization that I was lying to myself, that what I did was actually okay, it's not a grave sin, it's not a mortal sin, when I actually looked the priest in the eyes and said, the worst thing I've ever done is I've consumed the Eucharist without proper confession. He looked at me. It wasn't Father Ariel. Um, but he was just in complete shock. But going into that confessional, what I realized is, I was mocking Jesus. What is the only unforgivable sin that the scripture talks about? When you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. Tony, the theologian, what does that mean? Basically saying that I don't think I could be forgiven. Or, another interpretation is, I don't ever want to be forgiven of God. Like, no, I'm not, gonna, I'm not bringing this to you. It's fun. Think about what he just said. And think about what I just said. If you're not going to the confessional, and you're not actually saying with a completely open heart, which Jesus has for you, by the way, if you don't reciprocate that to him, we've got a lot of changing to do. So let me just suggest a quote. If you want some things to change, change some things. It's up to you. Wouldn't it be awesome if everybody in this room went to confession once a month. The lines are so long that Father has to add, another, he has to start earlier. We can do it. My wife one time for Lent, we challenged this, we were going to go to, during Lent for our penance, for, our, for our, what we were going to give up, she just suggested, let's go to confession once a week during Lent. That was crazy. 
It was, but it was awesome at the same time. Because, I mean, I, was, I can recall going, I'm about to see him going, oh, I have to tell Father. Matthew Kelly says there's genius in Catholicism. Because in what other religion do you actually have to do that? Where you got to go face the reality of what you did. And if you did continue to go as often, uh, just going to be real, as often as Tony does, uh, the fact is he probably goes more than anybody else in this room. And not because... <laughs> <laughs> but, but let me tell you what my response to Tony has been openly. Because I, I do like to communicate. As you can tell, I talk. I actually... It, it hurt me. Because I told... I said to Tony, isn't that concupiscence? You know what that word means? Cool, I'm going to keep using words you don't know. <laughs> it's... <sighs> concupiscence is where you don't believe that your sins are forgiven in the confessional, and that you just continue to beat yourself up about it. It's the magnet that's pulling you to sin. <coughs> and it, it, it actually creates the it's challenge. The desire to sin. It's that want, like, I want to sin. Fun. It might just be out of habit. It might be just that concupiscence is just that, that natural tendency, that yeah. bad habit. Yeah, since just the fall. So wouldn't you say that when you go to the confessional, you're confessing the same thing over and over again? Can I see some hands? You, I, I heard, heard a priest one time on the radio say, hey, that's a good thing, because at least it's not something new. <laughs> <laughs> Father, Father, would you say that oftentimes sins are repeated in the confessional? Uh, Would you also say that if there's nothing you haven't heard? <laughs> that, you don't have to be a list. <laughs> They're in the seal, you know. <laughs> <It's gone. laughs> the reason we're saying all this stuff about uh, confession, obviously there is uh, there is a, uh, what's the night called where we have? It's called service. repentance service, yeah. So um, that is coming up Tuesday. And so there's not at the house yeah, yeah. And there is really a, a good amount of participation every year. I see a lot of people come in. But you know what my thought is? What's that? Once a year or twice a year. Mm -hmm. How many times are you required to confess as a Catholic? Once a year. Once a year. You know, the other thought that I have, though, is do we not believe that Father Ariel can also forgive those sins throughout the year? And are we embarrassed to go talk to him? It's a disgrace if we do. I felt the same way. I, that's why I'm able to say this. Because I'm not pointing at you. I'm just telling you what I've gone through in my head. And, and it's a challenge. So uh, we're, we're telling you all these things so that you know that God loves you. The sacraments are here for you. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. The Catholic Church has been providing more services, uh, more social services, and bringing more people to Jesus than anybody throughout history. But we've got to be brave, and we've got to be bold, and we've got to be real with ourselves. We have to know that Jesus loves us. We need to take advantage of uh, him in confession and in the Eucharist. And we need to stop consuming sin upon ourselves. We have to stop doing that. We've got to give credit where it's due. If we've made a mistake, we've got to make it right. Because if you don't, and Tony was saying, and you may have to jump in here, Tony, you were saying something really good about... Uh, if, if you just don't know how much Jesus loves you, you won't actually go out and do something about it. And so if, if we see that our community 
isn't reaching out to other people and inviting them into our church. Father Ariel did not pay us to say this, by the way. <laughs> it's not about growing in numbers and tithing and all of that. But we do know, just like the analogy with the nursing home, if more people are coming in, that means we're doing something right. And it's awesome to see people like Mike Howard. I thought the dude was Catholic. <laughs> Didn't y'all? Tell me. I mean, coming to Mass, and I mean, what a great example. Somebody invited him. And he came, joined the church. Hey, who invited you? Invited me? The two women on either side of it? Uh, I mean, yes, but at the same time, they never pressured me to come to church. Amen. And, and, and it can take years. <laughs> it can take years. Hayden told us a great story in RCIA that his dad started asking him questions about the Catholic Church because his dad's not Catholic. See how it grows? Because he said yes, because somebody invited him. It's exponential, and we've got the truth, the fullness of truth. I was telling you, well, I think it, to ease your mind, nobody can convert anybody. Nobody can convert anybody. The Holy Spirit is the only one that can convert hearts. I mean, Hayden was invited, but it wasn't the invitation that converted him. It was that invitation of the Holy Spirit that finally broke down the walls or the scales falling from your eyes or whatnot. I mean, it's that we were talking about it earlier, you know, wanting, having to want that holiness or growing it, you know, it needs to turn into a desire. You know, first you got to want it, but then you still got that hand up. I only want it this far. But when it becomes a desire, you got to have it. I mean, think about it. Everybody talks about having the latest phone, your desire, the latest phone, the newest car, or what it is. Why can't we desire our vocations, desire our holiness that way? I mean, hell, I got a confession to make. Where's my legal? But I do have a confession to make. I was brutally or painfully notified on Sunday of, uh, of a person that I wronged years ago. I don't even remember doing it. What did you say? I told the, I wronged the guy. I, I told him that he heard, overheard me calling him a bad Catholic. Mm. I don't recall this. I don't remember saying this. I don't remember thinking this or even believing this. Did he call you on the phone? But I called him after I found out. I found out from somebody else that I had told that to. And I thought, kind of thought, this is so weird. This is happening on Sunday when I'm supposed to be preparing for this. Because it was like a gut punch. I felt horrible. I called him, apologized. I couldn't believe I did it. First I had to ask him if I, if I even said it. And he said, oh yeah. And I, I believe him. Because he's not a liar, and uh, and I I ask for forgiveness, obviously, and I ask all of you to forgive me as well, because this is I was scandalized. I was scandalized by it. I mean, it was just like I said, it was a gut punch, and I felt sick all week about it, and then today, it just all of a sudden realized that that happened on Sunday, so this can happen tonight. That because I got to asking myself, why did that happen on Sunday? when this happened years ago, and then the next question popped up. What's a bad Catholic? It just popped in my head this, today, I was in the country. What's a bad Catholic? I don't even know. What's a good Catholic? I don't even know. And I was like, what would I, how would I answer, well, for Sunday, how would I answer that question, are you a good Catholic? And then it hit me, somebody did ask me that question. It was a year ago, I was at St. Lawrence talking to their youth group. 
And uh, it was kind of basically giving them my spiel of how I became just on fire for God and on fire for Jesus and just learning and soaking in all this stuff about the church. And after I was done, this kid, this young man, just said, hey, he didn't even raise his hand. He just ordered it out. He goes, now that all that you've been through, he goes, do you think you're a good Catholic now? Guess what my answer was? No. I said, I believe that I'm a practice. So let me think about it. We take our kids to basketball practice. We take them to piano practice. We take them to all these practices. Why? To home, you know, to get better at the skills they're learning. Why can't we do that? Why shouldn't we do that? Why aren't we doing that with our faith? Why aren't we practicing Catholics? That doesn't mean we get it right all the time. Like I said, I'm the first one that needs to be confessional. That's all right. That's all right. But at the same time, why don't we, why doesn't it become priority number one? I mean, why don't we desire it as much as we desire the latest shoes or clothes or cars or trucks or equipment, whatever it is? Why don't we desire that want to be holy with that one desire that we have for material? And holiness is attainable with the Holy Spirit's help. And how many of you know St. Therese of the Soup? Their little way. That's the path that John Paul II said is our path as lady. Little things with great love. She would say that she would fold a napkin as if Jesus was going to be using it. So I like to say that I'm <laughs> leaving the underwear on the floor. So I was just Why can you grow in There's a masculine way and a feminine way, right? <laughs> of doing little things with great love, of service, of just, you know, I don't, maybe I texted you or message you on Facebook, and I kind of pestered half, most of the people in this room <laughs> to come to this. And I hope that I don't go too far, but that's our goal, is to invite our little ways. And when, when you get that little spark, and you're like, I know I'm supposed to talk to this person. I know I'm supposed to reach out to this person right now. Do it. Like Chris said earlier, don't wait, because <laughs> the dance is going to be over, you know, and it's going to be too late. How much time do we have left? Mm -hmm. no, we I, had, I had two surgeries this year. I don't know. Like It could be over today, tomorrow. We don't know when the end's going to be. Did we live today the best we could? Actually, we all don't have that voice that says, should I do that? Should I step in and say that? That's the Holy Spirit saying, yeah, you should. Yeah. The interesting thing is, is action, well, doubt will take you out of action. But action will actually take you out of doubt. Because you realize... And you've all been through it. You do something, it's like, ah, no one's so bad. Um, and so, like, how many of you would really want to get up here and grab this microphone and talk? Public speaking is the number one fear that people have, you know? And I'm not saying you have to overcome that fear. Uh, but when God calls you to do something and you say yes, it's pretty magnificent. You could probably also agree with that because I'm sure there's things in your life where you thought, okay, that had to be God because that wasn't me. And this... What we're doing here is just a simple example of that. Uh, Mother Teresa, or uh, Saint Teresa, was to said that she wanted to be a, a pin in the Teresa. Mother Teresa said, "Yeah, I want to be a pin in the hand of God." And so it doesn't have to be. Um, Aristotle said, uh, "I love Saint Thomas Aquinas, and he was a, an Aristotle philosopher." And he said, uh, "And I'm going to forget it, but." Uh, Check out that episode of yours on yeah, Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Saturday. Yeah. Excellence is not what you do one time, but every single day. 
And so we're called to be fully alive. So I'll pose the question to you. Are you fully alive? St. Irenaeus said, the glory of God is man fully or woman, fully alive. The glory of God is man fully alive. The glory of God. And we're all called to glorify God. If, you know, I, I talked about like if you're laying in your bed tonight and you think, okay, how am I going to take this information and, and the, the things that I've heard, you're not going to remember everything. But um, you got to know that Jesus loves you and we're going to tell you that. And we're always going to remind you of that. But KLS, there's three letters straight from the scripture. If you can remember KLS, your purpose in life is very, very simple. It's to know who can finish it. Love and serve. God. Who can finish the rest of it. <laughs> yeah. God here now so that we can do it later. Yeah. Let's it's, And it's crazy how we live in this world where everything comes to us. We were talking about this earlier. Amazon delivers to your doorstep. You know, uh, if you're in a city, DoorDash or, you know, these food services now that deliver to you. Pizza delivers to you. Well, maybe not Rowena, but you get the point. <laughs> Information, internet, television. It's, it's all coming to you. Why? These people don't just want your money. They want you. They want your soul. The battle is bigger than, uh, you know, Facebook and Twitter. And, and I. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I try to do. And so once you turn that around, because that's original sin. Original sin really is selfishness. You want to be like God. You want to be God. You want to take his place. And praying simply and just doing it. When you mess it up and you don't do it right, when you pray, what you're actually saying in your actions is, you are God and I am not. And that's really all you need to say. It's very simple. Every morning when I wake up, and Richard Pelzel taught me this, uh, is, Lord, I give you this day and everything in it. From the moment that he said that in RCIA, it's been my prayer every single day, except for a couple of days when everything went to pots. And I remembered I didn't say that prayer that morning. So thank you, Richard. Um, um, I, Lord, I give you this day and everything in it. And so I've, I've taught my kids that. You know, it's very simple. So when you go to bed at night, you are supposed to reflect on your day and how it went. As Catholics, we're supposed to do this. And for a little examination of conscience before you go to bed. Absolutely. And uh, and just think, what is my purpose, Lord? It's to know you, to love you, and to serve you. And when you do that, it's like riding in the airplane. If there's an you know, emergency, what happens? The oxygen comes down, and who are you supposed to provide it to? Yourself first. Now, I'm talking about not being selfish, but you got to know that Jesus loves you. you got to spend time with him. you got to pray. This is how you advance in holiness. And then you can go out and help other people. So you put oxygen on yourself, and then you're helping the person beside you. So um, we highly encourage you to, to get into a devotional. Like yesterday, I was in St. Lawrence for Mass. I had to go to Midland, unfortunately. And, I, <laughs> and in order to make Mass on a holy day, I went to St. Lawrence. And somebody was there uh, that I know, and they said, Oh, man, it's like we're around a celebrity. I didn't want to tell you this because I didn't want you to think we're patting. I'm patting myself on the back, but... The guy actually said, I listen to Rome Boys four hours a day. I couldn't. <laughs> I said, I'm sorry. <laughs> but you never know how much you're going to impact somebody. You know, you just never know how much a, a small little message. If you're doing God's will, he's going to do crazy things. And you better be ready. 
Um, so saying yes. Who's the one person that said yes in our faith that we know so well? Mary. Mary simply said yes, and she continues to point to Jesus. Uh, and she always says, do whatever my son tells you, right? And uh, so, uh, go ahead. I was going to say about prayer, because we're talking about holiness, and the importance of prayer for Catholics. And you all pray, correct? And, you know, it took a lot of years for Liza and I to really find time to pray as a family. It's nuts at our house. We've got seven kids. It's crazy. <laughs> to really, truly find time to pray as a family. And I want to encourage you to do spontaneous prayer. Yes, it's important to pray the rosary. I'm a big rosary guy. Like, I love it. I've been doing it for over 20 years, and I haven't missed a day, because Our Lady basically said, you need to do this. So I'm like, all right. But... That's good, but those are memorized prayers. And it's important that we do those, yes. But Catholics can fall into that. Mass, rosary, and a checklist of things that we're supposed to do. But have we talked to Jesus today in our own words and personally had a conversation with him? That should be number one. Before your feet hit the ground. My practice is, I say ten things I'm thankful for, ten people I want to pray for, and Jesus, I give you this day, like Chris was saying. It's all spontaneous. I don't even know what's going to come to my brain. <laughs> and here we go. But it's about others. It's not about me. It's about others. So try your best to incorporate in your prayer life spontaneity. Bless us, O Lord, in these like it's good prayer. But how about start off with a prayer from your heart? Today was a atrocious day, God. And I still love you. Bless us, O oh Lord, in these things. <laughs> but be honest. See, it's from the heart. That's the point. Because remote prayers that we have memorized can just be said in the head. But if it's not of the heart, are you truly praying? And you'll know it's you. Because, you know, I've, I've sat there a few times where I'm trying to pray and I'm using big words. I was like, I use big words. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Stupid, simple, stupid. You know, so I was just. But I pray from the heart, I know it because it sounds like me. Yeah. You know, it's me praying. And if you need help, they often, and the scripture says, ask the Holy Spirit to teach us how to pray. Mm -hmm. So a lot of uh, a lot of what makes me actually stay involved in the faith, there's genius in Catholicism. We've got to keep the Sabbath holy. Uh, we've got to go to confession, you know, at least one time a year. We've, we've got to go to Mass. There's the precepts, but why do we have to go by the precepts? No, why do we have true. to do the bare minimum? So what I what I do and what I've done, I did this through high school and did this through college, and I, I back myself in a corner. The reason that I've taught RC, RCA for the last 13 years is because I have to prepare myself every time I go. Honest to goodness. I'm doing it for you, Hayden, but... <laughs> <laughs> really, you know, you got to put yourself in those situations. Uh, when uh, Mr. Loma asked me to read at Mass... I said yes, it just fell out of my mouth. And then I was committed to something. But you know what? I read the gospel, and I read whatever reading, actually I read all of it, before I go to Mass. And I'm the most prepared on those days, and I understand the gospel more, and, and the message on those days. So what I realized is, my kids need to hear this before we go to Mass on Sunday. So one of our best times in our whole family is when we're getting ready for Mass, because it's chaos. we got a lot of hair to brush. Uh, and, you know, charge the boys. Yeah. Put on the diaper so you can pee in it, right? That's how that works. Put this on so you can pee and poop in it so I can change it again. Uh, that's how it works. 
But it's in those routines and it's in our daily lives that we can find those whole, what are called um, holy moments. Matthew Kelly talks about it, rediscover the saints. It's, it's awesome. It is in those little things that we do every single day. And I know a lot of you are really good at it. So I don't want to drone on and drone on and drone on about it. We're taking a lot of time. I'll ask you one thing. So holiness in my life, whether it be I went on a mission trip in high school, uh, like I told you about with college, like away from home, seminary, uh, World Youth Day, all these experiences were nowhere near my house. It's really important, and I see this with my own kids. When we send them to uh, a Catholic camp, or we go on Youth 2000, or Bread of Life Retreat, whatever it is, they're going somewhere else. Axe Retreat, yeah, amen. amen. Okay. You go somewhere else, and you come back different. We have to get away from here and go and find Christ in other places so that we can come back here to change here. And so with grandkids and great-grandkids and your own kids and yourself, leave Rowena and find the faith in other places to encounters with him. And we can bring encounters here too to Rowena. I'm all about planning great things to come here, but we've got to get out of here. It gets you out of your comfort zone so that you can really see yourself for who you are and you can grow. If you, when you go out of state or you go out of town, that's not an excuse for not going to Mass. Uh, but what's really neat is whenever you have your kids and there's other people, like people in my family aren't Catholic. And so... It interrupts everything that we do on the weekend. And, you know, we're like, oh well, we, you know, we got to go to mass in the morning. So, uh, what are you talking about? You're hanging out with family, but it sets an example for everybody around us just by living out our faith. But I also want to challenge you. A, a quote that's in, incorrectly quoted, probably more than any other quote, is Saint Francis. Uh, it's quoted as uh, uh, use or. Uh, Preach the gospel at all times. When necessary, use words. Never said that. <laughs> Never said that. But it's pretty famous. And it actually does make a lot of sense. But I think some people hide behind that. Catholics especially. Right? So uh, you, you can't just say that I'm going to live my life and do my thing and go to Mass. And people will see that. That is good. And I told you, you know, in relation to the Book of Ruth and our, our journey here, after moving all over the state, this is where we put down our roots. For good. We ain't moving. Uh, he already said he wouldn't help me. Uh, uh, actually, he's helping me a whole lot now to get it established. So that I won't go. No. Uh, but it, it really does. I don't hide behind this. just the service that you provide just right here. It's great. But we have to get out, and and when you're when you're leaving and you're going out of town, you have to make sure that you're going to mass too. You got to that has to be the priority, and that's where I'm bringing this to. The priorities in your life should be to guide you, right? And Jesus is the top priority, not sports. Nothing else matters. It's funny that I had a guy come to the store one day and. He was confiding in me a little bit about how his son doesn't go to church anymore. And he narrows it down. He blames, or it kind of narrows it down to the time that whenever they would go baseball tournaments in the summertime, that they didn't go. And he just said, well, we're out of town. 
And he kind of narrows it down to that, that moment of not being the head of the family and saying, no, we're going to do this. We're going to go no matter what. Church first, baseball second, or basketball, whatever it was. And it, that's just an interesting thing that he looks back on that now. But it's not too late. I mean, if, if you're in that position, say you have a kid that's left his faith, or, or it's not too late because you're, you're their parents. You will always be their parents, and they will always look for your approval. So, I'm glad my dad's not here. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. I mentioned that I work in long-term care. And so I see a lot of folks uh, who are at the end of life. Uh, the per- people who live in nursing homes, they live about two years, okay? It's about their lifespan in a nursing home, generally speaking. That's the stat. And it's a tough life. There's people right now that many of us know that live in a nursing home. So I was taking psychology of the elderly at U of H, and I looked up because my professor was reading out of our textbook, and it startled me. But people are known by their vocation. So there's a farmer, right? Tony's a teacher. I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, that's what we call ourselves on Rumblades, but just <laughs> follow my point here. What happens after you retire? You know, what, what are you known for? And so we see a lot of folks in the church of the older population. Wouldn't you agree? It's kind of sad because it's not what we want to be known for. We've got other priorities in our life. We're known as... Well, our occupation is not who we are. Yeah. It's what we do, but it's not who we are. So what you're referring to is these people that are now in the nursing home, they've lost their identity because that's what they were. That's who they were was their occupation. That's not us. That's not who we are. That's what I do, but it's not who I am. So your mission now needs to never change. That's what I'm challenging you to do. Don't be known as, you know, Nickelwitz Construction Forever, Maxine, right? You're, I think we know her for more. Her contribution to the church is great. And thanks for letting me pick on you and point you out. I know it's humbling, but I'm going to do it anyways. That's what you get for sitting in the back. But, but isn't it true that 20% of the people do 80% of the work? Every swing in time. <laughs> doesn't know, it doesn't matter what you're looking at. You know, if it's a church, if it's a business, 20% of the people do um, 80% of the work. And you know what actually takes place in the church of that 20%? It's only about 7% that are actually taking the church to the next generation. It's a worldwide statistic. Yeah. So don't let that happen here. I, I contest that there's more people here than in most churches. In RCIA, I was a one-man band. Mr. Loma was a one-man band when he did it for like two decades here teaching RCIA. One of the greatest things that we do is we bring our cluster together, and there's a ton of people in this room, actually, that teach. They come to bring people into the church that teach RCIA. That's a great testimony. And plus, people don't want to hear me talk every single week, uh, so we get other people to talk, too. And Deacon Allen's nodding his head, yes. (laughs) So, anyways, we've, we've placed the challenge on your heart. Um, so, we want to open it for questions and communication and conversation. Because yeah, we've talked enough, so that's it. <laughs> as you can see, that's our style. This is a different parish mission than what you're used to. Um, last year, Tony uh, helped out, and then, you know, he hosted the parish mission for you guys. Uh, and then years before that, a lot of times there's religious folks that come in. 
So, if, do you guys have any thoughts or questions? We are, there's nothing different, by the way. We just have a microphone in our hand. There's nothing different between us. So, any thoughts or comments or questions? Somebody, please speak up. Yeah. I think everything y'all covered tonight was extremely informative. And Thank you. Everybody's heard it before, but to actually do something with it. Amen. So, you really, I think y'all all brought that out very well. And then also, I just have a question about if someone wanted to go through RCIA program and they're not Catholic, they're not, well, they're not in the nomination. Mm -hmm. But, um, don't want them to feel pressured. Like, if you go to RCIA, you don't have to go through with it. You're not becoming a Catholic. Do y'all have many that so, can come without being like, when, when do they not go through the steps when the final? Yeah, they simply don't participate in the scrutinies. So, uh, yeah, it's it, actually, there was a lady that came in RCIA, uh, not here, but for three years. She came every single year, and her husband said, you better not join that church. Yeah, and so she's Catholic now. And the very next year, her husband came into the church. It was awesome. I got chills thinking about it. Bye. <laughs> so... Thanks for saying that. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Yeah. And we talk about one second. Well, we talk about how if you want to keep learning about your faith, you can still go to RCIA for the next 35 years. We <laughs> anybody everybody can come. Is yeah. the point. Just come. Every, everybody should come. Because we're even the CEUs. I mean, we're in your job and what you're always required to get continuing education units, right? Think of RCIA as your continuing education into your faith. That's right. right. We actually, we have a good time, and there's no pressure, and the best questions are asked in RCIA. It's, it's, it's fun. We talk about real stuff, and uh, people really get to know their faith. And because we get to know each other, we can get... Yeah. Well, oh, Chad's question. We have, a, we have someone who actually... Yeah, Chad's question. No pressure. Are we talking about, like, you know, the Catholic Church and like two months ago, they had this guy, this guest. He was a Jewish guy in like the hip hop, R&B kind of like producing world. And then one day he decided he wanted to go find Mount Everest. So he started doing like the hip hop breathing and doing this. And part of his training for that is he got dropped off in like the wilderness in like Montana by helicopter with a satchel of food and a meditation pillow. He talked about it. I think he was there for like 21 days. He's like, day four, he would like sit down and start his prayers. And he'd get up and go, oh, move this and do this and do this. He said it took him like two weeks of being there by himself before he turned his mind off. He'd be able to be present with his prayers and his meditations to prepare himself for this task that he'd given himself. So that's what it's like. He started that. He'd be like, oh, I get up for meditation while here do this, go look out the window. And it just took him time to learn. That's a good point. It, it does take a while. And it's you have to exercise that muscle, you know, if it's going to grow, your faith. It, you know, faith is a gift. It's not something that you just put on. It's something that you've been given. Prayer is a gift. It's communication with God. How much of us, though, when we're praying, are we actually listening? How much time do we just like, are we doing all the talking? Are we actually giving us that silent time? 30 days? Dude! You know if you're going to be a priest or not. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Well, yeah, are we yeah, excellent. 
one of the greatest things is being in tune and listening to the Holy Spirit, what y'all talked about, and recognizing when he's pushing you. And so when you get that fleeting moment that you should do something, be bold yes, and do it. Uh, y'all's brother-in-law invited me one a year ago to do the rosary challenge for 30 days. And praise the Lord, with the Spirit's help, I continued that. Awesome. And I was at a point where I was kind of like falling off the edge, wanting to stop. And this particular day, Teresa Tomio's book, Listening to God and all the different ways people have, have heard him speak to him. That particular day, I opened up the book to one chapter, short chapter, read it, and it was the one about this lady pulled a book off the shelf, and it was, you should read your rosary today, or do your rosary today. I was like, wow, okay, I'll do it. Wouldn't it be nice just to have that kind of a sign or uh, every time, you know, instead of little subtle hints? No, right your face. To credit to Fran, I was actually, we were talking about our testimonies, and uh, I said, you know, it's kind of interesting. It wasn't Melissa that actually asked me to come into the church and told me what RCIA was. It was Fran. Uh, and I would tell you that her example has uh, helped Steve get to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> that we like to have. And what we realize is that in a lot of circles of conversation, it, it, it doesn't turn out the right way. You know, people make uh, off-color jokes, and James is clear in the scripture that you're not supposed to cuss. You don't want to hear that, I know. Uh, it, James clearly says that you shouldn't make uh, foul jokes like sexual innuendos. These little things, we're missing it. 
we're missing it. And if we're not studying, if we're not listening to what God is telling us, how we should be holy, we don't need to miss the mark, y'all. Uh, and now i got to go Facebook and take down some memes. And so you've got to, you've got to, like Maxine, like you said, you've got to take time. You know, you've got to make it a, a specific effort to, to do it. I always, I'm reminded of George, George Jones, you know, the choices I've made, that song. It really does make me think, like, you know, my, my grandfather, I know you want me off of here. Uh, <laughs> my bring a hook tomorrow night. <laughs> Another story. Uh, and I'm going to forget it now that y'all got me off. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, right?